Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Canadian jazz bassist Dave Young. He was born and raised in Winnipeg and has resided in Toronto since the 1960s. Over the years, he has been all over gigging with the best in the business, like Oscar Peterson, who he had a 35-year musical relationship with, Clark Terry, Harry Sweets Edison, Zoot Sims, and so many others. He has had a dual life as well as a classical musician being a member of the Edmonton Symphony and the Hamilton Philharmonic. As a culmination of his dedication to jazz, he was named as a member to the Order of Canada, the country's highest and most prestigious civilian honor. So get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you for taking some time out for me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my, my pleasure. So let me go ahead and start out here with the alpha of your life. You were born in Winnipeg and raised in Toronto. I was raised in Winnipeg. I didn't leave there until I was... Uh you know, in my 20 or something like that. I've lived in Toronto since 1967. Okay. Yeah. So give, give me an idea of, like, how you got into jazz growing up. What, when, when did the love of music come in? When did you start playing music? I started playing violin when I was, I don't know, eight or something like that. And played that right into my teens. I was actually quite proficient at it. I mean, and then I started playing the guitar at that time. And then had a group of my own, played that for quite a few years, and then eventually uh, graduated to the, to the bass in my late late teens. Talk to me about albums lately. Do you have any? What albums do you have in the works? Do you have anything coming out um, soon? Well, I've got a. There's a new quintet album entitled, and I've got it in front of me, One Way Up, which we just recorded about a year ago, but it was just nominated here in Canada for a Juno, which is kind of like the award system that you have down in the U.S. Uh, oh, the Grammys? Yeah, yeah. Not quite as, uh, you know, as big and slick and everything, but uh, nonetheless, it was it was, a, it was nominated for a Juno. We didn't win, mind you, but <laughs> we, at least we were <laughs> nominated. And it's it's good it's a good album. It's probably one of the best that I've turned out over the years. Talk to me about albums growing up that were really big for you. Big jazz albums that got you kind of going. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, I listened to um, Oscar Peterson a lot, but I also listened to uh, Charlie Mingus and all the different groups that he had. Uh, I listened to Bill Evans at the time, which was the early '60s. So that, that that group was really important. Uh, Horace Silver was also a big favorite of mine. Cannibal Adderley with his various groups, and Miles. You know, they're all all groups that we sort of kept in touch with and uh, sort of followed their uh, the progression of, of the various groups. Uh, you know, at that time there was all kinds of groups operating simultaneously. And it was, it was a pretty healthy time for jazz, late 50s and early 60s. Absolutely, that was the time. Yeah, it was so, the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. So was it always music for you, or did you have other dreams about how your life was going to turn out? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had other things that I was doing. I went to school. I went to university. I studied uh, mathematics and all that stuff. And I eventually graduated from university uh, in business. I had a degree in business administration because my family is, was pretty traditional. My father was an accountant. I, I played played music, you know, from when I was a teenager, uh, professionally, right through, right through that whole era of going to school and, you know, developing a real interest in music. So, uh, music music was kind of parallel to my other interests and my other things, other jobs that I had to do. Yeah. Well, let, let let me get into some of these gigs that you've had over the years and. 
the early to mid '60s, you were a member of a of a band with Lenny. What was that court say? What was that experience like for you? That'd be a big growing experience for you. You know, Lenny lived in Winnipeg at that time. He moved there with his parents, so it wasn't like a working group. We just we all were doing various gigs. I mean, it might be a a Polish wedding one weekend or a country gig the next weekend or it may be a jazz something at the CBC, which is a big radio network here in Canada. It wasn't a working group necessarily, but it was always a small group. So the years with Lenny, of course, yeah, we, we all kind of grew together. You know, we were all listening to Bill Evans and the various artists that we really enjoyed, and uh, we got better and better at what we did. But Lenny was definitely uh, one of a kind, you know, in that he played the guitar so well, and he, he kind of played the guitar like a pianist. Well, you know, over the years, too, you played with so many big people. You played with Oscar Peterson, Zoot Sims, mm-hmm. Kenny Burrell. The list goes on and on. What did you learn from those kinds of cats that had so much experience and so much wisdom? What did they give you about not only being a musician but about living life? Uh, and most of that happened in Toronto when I moved here in 67. I mean, I played with some really good play- players in Winnipeg, but they were generally local players. I mean, working with those guys, uh, the the top jazz names, you you kind of you, you kind of learn their music less from looking at lead sheets and more from actually playing the music with them. So you you, you learned it by ear, and that's probably one of the things that I I go on about with students that I'd rather have them miss a few things when they're trying to learn a tune rather than always being, you know, dependent on a lead sheet. Uh, because jazz is is training our ear and it's listening to everything that's going on in the group that you're playing with. It's, it's, it's a listening process uh, as opposed to a, a reading process. Yeah. So I think that's probably what I learned from these guys, that you the tradition was passed down orally. And uh, you talked about it maybe afterwards or maybe even before the fact, but but it was really a listening process, and you you developed that way. So the other thing about you is you have a dual life. You were also in the classic classical music realm. You've been with yeah. the Edmonton Symphony, the Winnipeg Symphony. Yeah. What? How do you split your brain up between jazz and classical? Is it seamless, or is there a big difference? There's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a big difference in the the, the, the music is totally different. Uh, you're playing in a section of uh, several, you know, of the similar instrument. Yeah, I mean, you're playing in a bass section. You're following a conductor. There's no amplification. Uh, you're using dynamics in a much more pronounced way than in jazz. I mean, one of the things that kind of drives me crazy in jazz is you start loud and you just get louder. You know, as opposed to really, unless you're playing with guys who really are sensitive, it just becomes like a a one dynamic kind of presentation. So orchestrally, I really had to think about what I was going to do. I mean, after, say, playing uh, jazz for a weekend or something, then I'd have to go and rehearse three or four days with an orchestra. I'd have to, first of all, you have to prepare yourself musically, and then you have to say, okay, well, this is, this is a completely different musical world, and uh, I'll, there'll be no discussion about my jazz career <laughs> or my jazz experience when I go to the orchestra, and vice versa. Because it really, I think it really uh, is not productive 
people in the orchestra don't want to hear about, well, yeah, you play jazz and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I just basically never said anything about either one of them. Of all the experiences and the, the decades that you've been involved with music, both jazz and classical, how do you feel about your career? Are you happy with what's happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of different things, and I've played with a lot of really great, great artists. I, I'm certainly happy about that. At this point in my career, I'm spending more and more time arranging and not so much composition, although I do write a certain number of tunes. But, uh, yeah, I do a lot of arranging, and especially with this octet that I have with uh, a local player, Terry Promaine. So so it's a five-horn group, and we're on to our second recording at this point. So it, it, the arranging part and the, using the computer and everything is like a second uh, occupation for me now. I mean, I love yeah. to play, but I, I really I like to sit down and organize things, you know, arranging wise and compositionally too. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I've taken on a new uh, a new career. Absolutely, evolution yeah. for sure. Yeah. So you know, typically I like to ask, you know, in your life you've been given a lot of awards. What surprised you the most? But I think I want to just kind of leapfrog into the fact that you're a member of the Order of Canada, which is the country's highest and most prestigious civilian honor. What kind of, how, how did that happen? Were you surprised? Did it hit you at a, at a particular time where you were like, wow? How do you feel about that? Well, it's obviously something that you, uh, that you have to respect, you know, and uh, it, was quite, um, uh, it was quite an honor to receive this. I mean, I knew beforehand that they were, there was an application made, but I, I really didn't think, well, you know, I'm not going to get this award. You have to apply. But but once I received it, I thought, well, I guess this recognizes the fact that I'm, I've been involved in jazz education. I've been involved in jazz performance. I've, I've done, done some writing. And I've been involved with a couple of fairly big-name jazz performers, and namely Oscar Peterson for this country. That, he's a pretty – he was a big name, and for any country for that matter. Yeah, I was I was very honored to to receive this, and uh, it's it's really a, an honor that's only known to a like a very small percentage of the population. People don't come up and say, "What well, you know?" I understand you have the Order of Canada. Most people don't even know. Yeah. So you know, it's <laughs> kind of a select a select honor, so to speak. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm certainly, I, I, I'm well aware of it, and uh, I feel very uh, fortunate to have received it. Clearly, because of this award and a lot of other things that have happened over your career, jazz loves you. But I want to ask you, why do you love jazz? <laughs> I like jazz because, for me, it's one of the best forms of self-expression that that I can have. I'm not a, 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 a painter. I'm not a, any kind of an artist in that sense. I'm not a writer of plays or anything. So musically, it, it allows me to express myself. And I, and I think that that's really what the music's all about. It's about you as a person, as an individual, expressing yourself and developing that kind of uh, ability and sound and just the overall way that you express yourself because if you don't have your own way of doing it then then I think you're missing the point in other words you don't want to be copying somebody forever it's okay to copy people when you're young and you're being influenced by these various artists 
but but you want to eventually express yourself artistically and musically. So that that's what jazz has given me. It's given me that ability and that that technique, so to speak. You've had probably a lot of fan letters, a lot of fans come up to you after shows. What is one of the nicest compliments you've gotten from a fan that may you may remember that comes to mind? Oh boy. <laughs> if people come up and say your music really uh, affects me, your music uh, emotionally sends a strong message. Well, then I'm very happy. You know, if if people say, "Well, I'm not crazy about what you're doing currently," I say, "Well, it's all part of the the process. It's the evolutionary process. I mean, we, we may be playing some music that are." is not uh, understood maybe as much as as playing Duke Ellington, but, you know, every musician has to go through different stages. And I've always been a real champion of uh, of Mingus and Eric Dolphy, and, and actually before that, Ornette Coleman and all the kind of more freer musicians, more freer attitudes towards music, so... I've always dabbled in that, and, but I'm not known for it. So if I take a group and we're improvising, you know, in a pretty loose fashion, people go, "Wow, what what happened? Where's where's the traditional music?" I said, "Well, this is all part of the tradition." You know. People are they they keep you honest, but they they also have to understand that it's a, it's an evolutionary process, and they have to evolve too. You know, yeah. as, as listeners. Yeah. You know, you've played with a lot of musicians over the years. So I want to kind of ask you this. Is there anybody out there that you would like to play with that you haven't played with yet? Anybody on your radar that you would love to jam with or gig oh, with? Quite a few New York drummers and a few New York piano players that I would like to play with. But I, I've basically performed with a lot of people that I really enjoy. Kenny Barron and Cedar Walton and uh, Tommy Flanagan, uh, Hank Jones, all those pianists. Those guys have recorded with, so uh, I've I really uh, accomplished some of my dreams uh, in that sense. But I don't know. There's a lot of young players that I would be very happy to to, to make music with. But you know, we don't travel in the same circle. So I just listen to their music on you know CD or wherever. Go to YouTube and. Uh, think, well, you know, if we ever meet, then uh, we'll, we'll be able to play music together. But I don't have any, uh, I don't have a list of guys that I really want to record with at this point. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, your fans, uh, business associates. But who do you think you are? When you wake up, who are you? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm a musician. Uh, that's the, the first uh, description you have to, I mean, I'm a musician who really believes that the music's the way of communicating and showing the world that we can all get along. I, I mean, I really believe that music and the way jazz musicians especially treat the music, they all get up there together and, and they play this music a lot of the time with very little preparation. You know, you have a repertoire and... Uh, you're you're able to create this music on very little uh, notice, so I think it's kind of a uh, it's it's kind of an example we should present to the to people who seem to be uh, having difficulty getting along. Now I don't want to uh, name name things, but there's a lot of confrontation and disagreement and you know battles. I think music could really help the world a little bit. 
if, if they kind of listen to it a little more. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's the unifying language for sure. I think yeah. that's a great. I think that's a great way to wrap everything up, Dave. Thank you for opening up about your world. Thank you for your contribution to music. I really oh. appreciate it. My, my pleasure. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Kansas City, Canada, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Dave for his time, his music, and his cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Jazz.